In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, give you thanks and praise for all the graces in our lives. We ask you to constantly focus our lives onto your graces, onto who you are as God. Amen. I recently just got back from a pilgrimage. I was in Poland with the whole group. We were brought back a relic of St. Faustino. After Mass, we'll be blessing all of you with the relic of St. Faustino. You have opportunity to, to venerate the relic of St. Faustino, a very kind of uniquely Catholic thing in the world to have a relic of a body of a saint, but it's very beautiful. So Poland's a very proud Catholic country, and it has been for about a thousand years, give or take, in wars and such. So one of their saints, the great saints that they, that they hail is very, very, very much, is Pope St. John Paul II. He was a pope from their country, and not only just a random pope, a great pope, one of the greatest popes that has ever lived, and for the majority of us in our lifetimes is when he lived and wrote and preached and traveled the world and was, was you know, a confessor because they tried to kill him and all these great, great things. And I think it's very beautiful. Like everywhere you go in Poland, there's like a statue or a commemoration or a park dedicated to, to Pope John Paul II. They're very proud. They should be, right? Imagine if we had a Chaldean pope, right? And we would be very proud of this guy for our entire life. Unless it was Father Rodney, then we would be kind of like ashamed, right? But for the most part, we would be very proud of a Chaldean, Chaldean Pope. So one thing Pope John Paul II did, which I found very beautiful in his life, especially if, as, a, as a Pole when he went back to, to preach his people, was Poland was under communism for about 60 years, right after the World War II up until like the 90s. So he went, went back to preach to his people and as he went back to them, this is right in the, the, the heart and the depth of communism in the, in the late 70s. And communism, by its very nature, just crushes the faith, especially Christianity. just crushes any sort of idea of, of a god and just, 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 just tries to destroy it. Think of current communist China and North Korea, these places that Christianity is almost not allowed to exist. So he goes back and he's preaching. And in this country that has tried systematically to crush the faith, there's over a million people gathered to see Pope John Paul II, not as a celebrity, as a religious leader, as the vicar of Christ on earth. And what, what they do is when, they're, when they see John Paul II and, they're, and they just desire the love of God, they just start, the, a million people collectively were just chanting, we want God, we want God. And it was beautiful. And then 10 years later, by the grace of God and by the people's own rev- uh, revolution, the country went back to a more secular government or more Christian government, and they kind of expelled communism from the world, which we should always think about when we go to the voting polls, to make sure we're voting for freedom, especially of speech and of religion. So I want to do that. Let's see if we can do that together as a, as a St. Thomas family. We just, just chance. We want God. Let's do it. We want God. What do we want? We want God. We can do that from our hearts, right? This, this desire to want to want God. Because as a Chaldean community, we're very culturally Catholic, which is very beautiful, and it can, but it can be kind of um, concerning at the same time. Like, we do, we do all the things in the church. We come to church, Christmas and Easter are packed, we gather together on these holidays, we have crucifixes in our houses. The vast majority of Chaldeans get married in the church, get buried in the church, baptize their children, come for First Communion. We just had First Communion yesterday. Like a very, very beautiful parish event, First Communion. Children from our community who are now adults in the church who have received the Eucharist for the first time and then now can receive it every Sunday. That's very beautiful. However, the negative of that 
can be that the focus becomes on these secondary things, secondary traditions, even the sacraments, the honesty, as, as important as they are. What the traditions aren't a thing in and of themselves. What matters is God. Who matters is God. And we always have to go back to the source so that, like, why do we get married in the church? Well, I want God's blessing. You're never here at Mass. Why do you want your uncle buried in the church and the funeral mass for him? Well, we want it's like the thing we do. Like, we go to church for the burial funeral mass. Okay, we're happy to do it. We'll pray for you, and it's a means of opportunity to evangelize. But it's always important every once in a while to just refocus back on God. Just the very simple starting point of God. Even in the gospel today, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Very beautiful words in Christ. And if you think about it, as, we're, as Christians, as followers and disciples of Jesus, we should do that in our own minds. We say, I desire to follow the way of Jesus. To, to the way. It used to be called the way as Christian life. How do we live a Christian life? Why do we live a Christian life? Living the Christian life is important. The way of Jesus. The truth. We should, everything we do in our lives should be desirous of the truth. And the life, we get eternal life. That's what Christ has promised us, eternal life. Great. All those things are important. Focus first and foremost on God, on who God is and why God matters into our lives. For example, when I was first ordained a priest, if there have been ordinations, the priest, the priest being ordained says nothing, nothing. Instead of, he says, in Salishnam Aman, pray peace be with us. That's all he says in the entire ordination. He doesn't say, like, I desire to be my heart. He doesn't say, don't say a word. You possess in, you're ordained, and then you start to preach. So after the gospel, I really, really wanted the first words out of my mouth to be the exact words that we heard from Ephesians today, which is Ephesians 1. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ every spiritual blessings in the heavens. So the first words out of my mouth, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's who I am, and that's what priesthood is to me. It's all about, it's all about God. What I find interesting, this is my example, is... 99 times out of 100, when I talk to somebody about celibacy, priestly celibacy, meaning I'm not married, it is such a misunderstood part of the Christian life, such a misunderstood part of priesthood and religious life. It's like, why would you be a celibate? And it's, the, the answers are very telling of a culturally Catholic community that isn't as rooted in God as we should be. Because the answers are always, and it's funny too sometimes, like, Father Pierre, I know you're a celibate, but I don't agree with the church. I don't think the church, church, church will let you get married. I'm like, okay, I don't want to get married. Really? Like, yeah, women are complicated, right? But they're beautiful marriages, very beautiful marriages, a sacrament, sure. However, that idea that I am forced by some sort of tyrannical government of the church to not get married is the completely misunderstanding of celibacy. Yeah, because, Father, you're really busy. We have a huge parish, a huge community. There'd be no time for your family. Sure. Money, Father, you'd have to get paid like three times as much as you get paid, and it'd be so hard to afford that. Okay, what if there was a scandal in your family? It'd be challenging. What? Okay, Father, you're a guy, huh? Come on, let's be serious. Celibacy, really? Nudge, nudge. People. Now, there are, there are, not, there are married clergy, and they exist, and they live their ministry out very beautifully. But the, the discipline of the church that has developed over the centuries is celibacy. Why? For God. It's all about God. 
That's what matters. Think about especially for religious sisters, of which we have two today. Woo-hoo. All right. They're married to Jesus. Jesus is their spouse. He's their beloved. That's beautiful. Why? So they can serve the community. They can teach communion. They can pray for those who are in need. They can do all these things. They can help widows and orphans and do all these really important things in the ministry of the church, which are all secondary. Primarily, it's about God. Why are you at Mass today? Father, when I go to Mass, I feel at peace. Fantastic. I love hearing the preaching sometimes. Fantastic. I love being with the community. I want my kids to learn about Jesus. I want my kids to to follow God's path. I want to be a good person. I want to be, be at peace. Whatever it is in our hearts, all those are really, really good reasons. Secondarily, primarily, it's about God. It has to be about God and the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. So just like those Polish people who were oppressed by a a tyrannical, communistic government, that has to be our prayer as well. Just, you know, we want God. We want God. That has to be your prayer. So my prayer for you as you continue to grow in love of God, as you continue to grow in discipleship, is just always go back. What matters? Who matters? It's all about God. Amen.